podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. He probably doesn't remember this at all. Yeah, we work together. It's easy. This is kind of real. I call it shit. And so it's really cool to get to be a part of that. Hey, you know how it is, bro. Hey, when you... You now tune into the biggest ever. We're not here just to take part. We're here to take over. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with episode 164 of the Dub Justin Podcast. Join me all the way from the Netherlands. Now a two-time guest, Matt Harms. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir. Uh, after the first one, I know I knew I had to have you back on. Um, it, it was an awesome one, and, and everybody really enjoyed it. Um, just to start off, I mean, you, you, I said it off the top, but you're back in the Netherlands right now, um, back home with your parents, actually. Um, talk a little bit about why you're back there and, and what you've been doing here in the quote unquote off season, even though it's not really an off season for you. Right. Um, you know, for most of the American guys, this is like prime off season. Uh, but for me, you know, as an actual European, um, I'm back at home to go represent my national team. We have a, a huge tournament coming up in September, Eurobasket. Uh, so I'm over here preparing for that. And it's all in Amsterdam. Thank goodness I'm from Amsterdam. So I just get to live with my parents go to practice every day, come back here and, you know, get some nice home cooked meals from mom. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing now right now. Just getting i I'm basically in like full training camp mode already. You know, we're practicing every single day. Went for a solid three hours today, uh, lifting, shoot like basketball practice, like going full five on five. So I'm, uh, I'm right back into it. Just uh, getting ready for this tournament. And then right after that, uh, back to Germany. You said the home cooked meals. What, what's like the go-to meal when, in Amsterdam or the Netherlands? Like, when you were growing up, what was that one that's like, okay, I this is the one I'm I'm excited for? I don't know. I think my mom is just cooks really well. I think everyone's mom is the best cook, right? Like, oh, yeah. my mom. Like, everyone's mom should be the best cook ever. I think my mom's such a good cook. And there's nothing really, like, in particular I go home for. But just, like, I go home and I'm just, like, five meals in, I'm like, these are all just hits hits after hit after hit you know it's not like i go home and like two weeks in i'm still i'm still like hasn't been a hasn't been an l yet like wins only you know like all-star hits only so uh, that's good i think that's a good thing it's not like you know i'm here three days and then then the bad dishes start coming out yeah. you know? but it's just anything she makes man the, the traditional dutch like i don't really know about like dutch cuisine like that i don't think there is much a lot of it is uh, the classic Dutch like meal for like a random family is just like potatoes, vegetables, and some type of meat, which is just very boring, very basic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's just kind of like, you know, it's not like French cuisine, which is all fancy and stuff. We just eat pretty like pretty basic, but it's good. It's good food. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so what's what's it been like playing with the national team and and practicing with them thus far? It's been uh, it's been really fun, man. It's kind of to like speak my own language again so our coach is actually an italian uh, an italian coach he doesn't speak any dutch but just with the guys you know just uh, a lot of them i before i played with them i i knew of them just didn't really know them personally or i'd met them like once or twice um but now you know like getting to know them kind of becoming a part of this uh this community with them has been super fun kind of growing into a team with them um you know i still have my in-season i still have my like my club team over in germany that i play with but just kind of coming home and, and getting to represent your country is super fun. Like really awesome. Just to be like, we are the Dutch national team. You know, we are what uh, the Netherlands is going to send. We're going to represent our country. That's just such an honor. And it's uh, 
it's really fun to be able to do that for your country. Mm. Is Didi Gregorius from from Netherlands? Is he a baseball player? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know baseball at all. Fair <laughs> enough. Identify my one sports weakness. Don't talk to me about baseball. Fair enough. He, he used to play for the Yankees, and I was a big fan of him. But I I thought he was from the Netherlands, but I couldn't remember. Oh, there's a possibility. You have like the little uh, Caribbean islands, because those guys all love baseball, right? So you had uh, Curacao, Aruba, and Bonaire used to be uh, Dutch colonies, but now I think they're all independent and free. So some of those guys used to play, um, come play for the Netherlands. We won like a world championship, even like that's like 12 years ago or like 15 years ago at this point. But yeah, it, it might be like one of those guys. Now they're all like free independent. I believe they're all free independent nations at this point. So he's just a uh, Ruben or Curacao or Bonaren. Yeah, because you guys would play in the World Baseball Classic. It's like every four years, like the like the World Cup of, of baseball, I think. Um, Right. I think you, you guys are always like pretty good. Obviously. That's because those little, yeah, those little, it's three little islands. That's all we got. And oh, in St. Martin as well. We have half of that. We had half of that. I'm not sure we might, they might still have that, but it's like, because half of it's French, half of it's Dutch. Uh, so it's those couple little islands and those guys freaking love baseball. It's like, you know, the whole Caribbean area, they love baseball over there. So I think it's awesome, but I'm, I'm not sure if they're still playing for the Netherlands or if they've decided to go play for their, you know, their uh, actual country now that they're like independent. It is pretty cool, though. I just posted a thing the other day, and it was like Team USA versus the world versus Team World. And you can make the argument that the world has, like, the better top-line talent, like Luka and Embiid and, and Jokic and uh, Giannis compared to the USA. I mean, the USA is always going to have more, um, more depth, I guess. But, I mean, the top-line talent coming from international countries – is insane have you kind of realized that going over there and seeing seeing all these different dudes maybe maybe even young guys I talked to my Dakota Mathias one time and he was telling me about how he he was um in the Spanish league the same time Luca was and he was like this dude's different but now um have you seen any any dudes over there like just just a team that That's a lot of international guys that you're like, oh, okay, these dudes are actually legit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the the coolest thing about playing overseas is you get the both both sides of it. So you get like, dang, there's a lot of good American players because every team. So the way it works in Germany, the way I play, um, you are required to have six Germans, and then you can have six players from anywhere else. So then, you, like, I count as anywhere else. Uh, so either you have a German passport, or even anywhere else, they don't care where you're from. But usually, it's like four or five Americans. Um, So just kind of seeing guys and you're like, you know, you might not have heard of them on like a national stage, but they're still like such high level, such good players. So that's one side. So it's kind of like going against what you said. We're like, man, these Americans, like, yeah, kind of honestly going with you. The depth of talent is so insane. You can't, none of these guys might have ever played in the NBA, but they're still such good players. You know, just this last year, just seeing all these guys and you're like, oh, I kind of remember him from somewhere. You know, if you really were into college basketball, if you were like, really knew everyone on every team then you might know some of these guys but you know like it's like and they've made awesome careers for themselves over in europe uh but then the same thing with like the european talent you know there's so many great young players walking around and just kind of being more plugged into that scene like even my instagram you know my instagram now i suddenly get all the european videos 
I get all the European, the Euro hoops, all the all the European basketball pages about the Euro League. I get all the the overtime Europe videos. So I'm suddenly like way more plugged in to like all the young guys over here and seeing that talent. And you know, it's just insane the amount of talent that's walking around here. And sports really are global, you know, like and the NBA is becoming more and more global. And it's super I think it's super fun to see that. You know, you could make an argument that like half of the top 10 players in the NBA are not from the U.S. It's going to be the first time ever. Mm, no doubt. And I think I think the reason I thought or that I think um, the, the younger guys, especially from international countries, they're getting plucked from the NBA by the time they're 18. They're mm-hmm. not a lot of those guys that are like, I mean, maybe even some of the draft and stash guys. Um, that you'd see a few years ago. Um, they're not making it back over to the NBA. I mean, the NBA is only taking like the top dudes. Like, I think Ushman Jang was a first round pick this year. Nikola mm-hmm. Jovic was a first round pick this year. Um, so, like, those guys will be mainstays in the NBA. But then, I mean, obviously, you got the Lucas and the MBs and all those dudes. But if you're not to that level, then they're going to they're going to let you go back over overseas. Yeah. I mean, you could look at a guy like, um, I remember from a few years ago, I believe he was in the, um, either the Porzingis draft or the year after the Porzingis draft. So, um, but it's Gershon Yabusele. Uh, I drafted by Boston Celtics with the 16th overall pick. Uh, never really, you know, he was, he was an NBA player, but never really panned out in the way, I guess, that they wanted him to. And now he's playing for Real Madrid. And he's probably like he has an argument for being their best player. Uh, and I just think that's that's awesome, you know, kind of seeing those kind of guys. They have a, a real opportunity that the Euroleague is just is such a high level of competition. You know, um, a guy that you'll of course know um, is um, Nikola Mirotic, mm-hmm. who is the Euroleague MVP this past year. You know, and he's a guy that could have legitimately still been making like ten million uh, over in the NBA. But decided to co-play for Barcelona. You have guys like Shane Larkin walking around, Isaiah Canaan walking around, um, OJ Mayo mm-hmm. was even playing was playing the same team as Isaiah Cannon. So kind of seeing that at that top level, um, you really do get those like mainstay level guys coming out. But then at the lower levels, you find a bunch of like American guys that you're like, even at the top levels, you're like, I'm not really sure about this guy. You're like, oh, he was really good for like a smaller school, or he was really good at just like a lesser known power five school. And then you see their journey and they work themselves all the way up to get to that top level. And I just, I think it's awesome that, you know, I've learned so much about European basketball this, this past year and seeing how, like, how many guys get to make a, an amazing living for themselves over there too, over here too. Mm. And someone, I don't know if you played against him, but um, played in Germany this past year it was Deshaun Thomas, uh, who's an All American yeah. at. Yep. All American at Ohio State. Uh, he's Big been a player. he's been a few different places. I, he was in Japan before this year, playing for Bayern Munich. Um, but he's a dude that's that's a that's a legend, a college basketball legend over here. Goes over there and is making a great career for himself. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. I uh, I played against him twice last year. Um, you know, both home and away. I, I played against them. The, the thing about those teams like Bayern and and Oliver Berlin and those guys in the Euroleague. Uh, that play both in the Euroleague and in, in our league and the German domestic league is they play so many games because they play a double schedule because in the Euroleague yeah. they play 18 teams they play them all twice so 34 games and then our league is the same 18 teams play them all twice 
they're playing like 60 plus games and they're playing two playoffs. They made the playoffs in the year league. And then they're also, they're going, they're probably going to go to the finals in which they did this year, you know, in Germany. So they have so much. So then you kind of get like the load management aspect of it, where sometimes yeah. they just don't play. Uh, but I got lucky and kind of, you know, seeing most of their really good players play against us. And he's an amazing guy. He's really fiery. He kind of reminds, like, he's a really good offensive player, but he's super, like, you know, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion for the game. Kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a Draymond Green kind of out there, I guess. Very different. You know, he's a lot more offense uh, than yeah. Draymond is. Uh, but that left hand is, is killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's always like, he's left-handed. Don't let him go to his left. And then every time you're like, you're like 18 points. And he's like, oh, left hand every time you're like how does he keep doing it <laughs> and then Ga- he's, he's I, great player, I think gavin Schilling was on that team too yeah gavin Schilling was also on that team yeah he's a, i mean he is an enforcer he's just a brute he's yeah. a brute force guy and he was super you know he's, he was a fun test as well he played really well um i only played him once because i believe the second time he was out um for some reason injury sickness something like that um but that for he had a really good game that first game against us and that was kind of like uh a bit of a this is the real high level guys out here you know mm. um this is what they're going to throw at you because he's just such a physical presence you know maybe if you look at him like at michigan state you're like oh you know not you might not be super impressed but a guy like that has just grown exponentially since that i feel like you see a lot of that in europe you see a lot of guys that you have guys like deshaun thomas who are just like up here the whole time and you have a guy like Gavin Schilling where you watch him at Michigan State and you're like, hey, he played his role, he played his role really well, but he wasn't really allowed to grow outside of that role. Uh, and then now he excels in like a bigger role, which at, at Bayern sometimes he, you know, still, there's still guys in front of him because you're playing at such a high level. But uh, in Germany, he's really been able to like flourish beyond what he was in college, which I also think is awesome. I think it's awesome that you see guys coming out of college and they get so much better uh, when they go to Europe. Mm-hmm. Another guy like that, uh, Jordan Taylor. I don't know if you were if you remember him. He played for Wisconsin. Was like up there, first team All Big Ten, like two or three straight years. I mean, right. he's over in Japan. John Octius is over yeah. in Japan. Um, I don't know where he's playing. People this love Japan nowadays. What's up? People love Japan. Japan is like everyone loves it. You talk to anyone. Yeah. You talk to anyone. So last year I had a teammate that played in Japan. He's actually going back to Japan now to play. I believe in the second league even. Uh, and those guys all love it. Like the fan experience is so awesome. It's um, it's some of the most like love you're gonna get from fans. Like, mm. It's all like very well set up because they love because so baseball is their religion basically, right? At this point, mm. like they love baseball, and then basketball is getting to a point they really love it. You know, guys like Ruachimura made it like really elevated the game in Japan, um, and they just love it. Apparently, everyone I talk to that's been in Japan, you know. My, my wife's in a uh, like this Facebook group with all the, like the players' wives and stuff, and they all talk about how much they love Japan. She follows this podcast of these two girls that are or two women that are uh, wives to two players that are both playing in Japan, and they become really good friends because uh, just because they're similar experiences. And these two women that, on that podcast, they like they love Japan so much, and they all talk about like anyone I talk to, they're like Japan's my favorite place ever. So everyone's trying to get over there somehow. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm good in Europe. I don't know about Japan. <laughs> It seems that everyone loves it, which I think is awesome. Like, you can really play anywhere now. You know, like, Japan's an awesome league. You know, South Korea, people have a lot of respect for it. A lot of leagues in Southeast Asia are becoming bigger. You know, like, Philippines has always kind of been a big one for kind of some of those, like, top-tier NBA guys that Philippines have, like, one corner that they, like, pay a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia, of course, is, is uh, becoming a legitimate league, even when they only have, like, two foreigner slots, just with domestic talent, they become awesome. 
you can go play anywhere nowadays and it's it's super fun i love it just a lot harder to keep track of because i keep seeing you guys i'm like oh i wonder where he is and you're like oh he's been in japan for the last four years playing for i don't know where any of these teams are but they're all good and they're all you know it's all just super fun like basketball is is global you can play anywhere now and and get paid and then make a great career out of it Mm -hmm. and like michael beasley a few years ago was playing down in puerto rico um yeah That's a big central, like coming to the central. That's the one. I don't know anything about those leagues. And there's hundreds of players down there playing in Central America, playing in South America. And I am, I don't know anyone that's played down there, but that's like its whole own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, same with kind of like the, the Southeast Asian leagues. Those are all like, you got to get in, you get your foot in the door and then it kind of opens up to you. Um, Europe, I believe is a lot more accessible. Like if you're for like a guy like me, I'm coming out of college, you know, I had a good college career, you know, college career I'm super proud of. you can get your foot in the door in Europe at a certain level. But even a guy like this last year, I had two, um, two guys on my team. Uh, names are Rashid Moore and Donovan Donaldson. And those guys were both great players. Uh, and they played Division Two. They played Division Two. Um, you know, were really good there. And then Rashid worked his way up from the fourth league in Germany. So he would play in the fourth league. And he was on that same team and promoted every year until they were, I believe, in the second league. Uh, and then he moved up to my team, the team that I, we were both playing for last year, Frankfurt. And then my other teammate, Donovan Donaldson, made his start in Macedonia. Um, then we went to the Hungarian League and then ended up in, in Germany this past year. So I just, that's the kind of stuff I love. You know, you can play anywhere and there's a path to these higher level leagues, you know, like there's really an opportunity for you to grow every single year. Like you don't, just because I play in Germany now, doesn't mean I'll be there two years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have an opportunity to keep growing and even guys that start in the league that is maybe not as, uh, you know, held as in as high of a regard as, as Germany or, or Spain or any of those leagues. Uh, they still have the opportunity to be in two years, you know, be from Macedonia to Germany. I think that's just awesome. There's so much mobility. I love that. Mm. It is really cool because, I mean, a lot of them are like one or two year contracts. Um, I'm not super well versed in in terms of all that, all that behind the scenes stuff. But like you signed a two year contract. I know Deshaun signed a one year deal. I mean, you can go from country to country every year if you really wanted to. Yeah, I, I think a lot of guys treat it like that, too. Like it's like an adventure for some for, mm-hmm. for some guys, you know, like um The room, you know, like or not the rumor, I guess the the stereotype about like the American players that they'll go anywhere for like a dime more. They're like, oh, we'll pay you a thousand and one dollars, and they're like, <laughs> you got me, <laughs> you got me here, man. But I think a lot of these, a lot of those guys just take it as like an adventure, you know, which it is. It is an adventure in its own way. You know, some guys just take it as their way to see the world and and experience different cultures and experience new parts of the world. And I think that's awesome too. You know, like I think. Deshaun Thomas just signed, I believe he just signed in Italy um, with either Milan or Italy has two. They have two EuroLeague teams now. I know he signed in the EuroLeague. I just know, no, I just forgot which one. I believe it's Milan, which is a, a beautiful city as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be sick. And then, you know, a place that I never dreamed of that most of the people I've talked to absolutely love Istanbul, Turkey. People love Istanbul. Yeah. They said it's like they said it's like Miami. I don't know if there's a ocean there, but I guess yeah, the field. Yeah, so it's, it's right on. So if, if you know Turkey, you have like the European part. That's like the really, and then it, it has the uh, the channel to the Black Sea. So it goes from the Mediterranean or the. Oh, it's not the Mediterranean anymore. It's the sea that Greece is. The Greece is right there. Greece is the sea mm-hmm. with all that on, and it's the channel to the Black Sea, I believe. 
and then you have like the big part of Turkey. So it's kind of that little part on like where the little, the really tiny part that's European and the Asian part meet, that's Istanbul. And it's the biggest, I believe it's the biggest city in Europe. People love Istanbul. It's insane. You know, I, um, I know a guy that played there this past year for FS, which was the yearly champion, Elijah Bryant out of BYU played there. Mm. Uh, this year won the yearly championship with them. You know, he does a bunch of vlogs. I don't really uh, speak to him personally all the time, but um, it seems like he's having an awesome time. He's always, I know him and his wife do like vlogs and stuff, kind of that stuff like that. And it looks beautiful over there. Um, another teammate of mine actually from, from this past year would tell me like he was playing in Turkey somewhere else. He would be like, well, on our off day, we just take a plane to Istanbul and go have a great time <laughs> there you know, and, and go enjoy Istanbul. So people love it there. Turkish League also one of the best leagues in Europe as well. Mm -hmm. um, Turkey, you know, you have a lot, you hear a lot, a lot of problems. You hear a lot of stuff about problems with like Ennis Cantor and stuff. But, you know, a lot of these guys experience it as one of like the most amazing experiences. Like the league is, is super high quality, you know, super high level of competition. The pay is very good. Uh, Turkey's really known for that. You know, uh, FS and Fenerbahce are some of the best paying teams that you're going to find in Europe at the highest budgets. Um, you know, rivaling teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, but I, I think it's it's like that for a lot of countries, you know, because most American guys or, you know, people like me, even, you know, like Europeans uh, that aren't as well versed in Europe, you're going to come over and you're going to spend time in a place you've never been to. Uh, and then a lot of places have, you know, the opportunity to become your favorite. Um, so for a lot of those guys, they find a place they, and, and they fell in love with it, you know, like guys end up playing, like you go play in, in, in Milan or somewhere in Italy, you fall in love with it. You go play somewhere in France, you know, Mike James, this past year was playing in Monaco. How cool is that? That's awesome. Living with a bunch of millionaires, probably a real <laughs> expensive year for him, but come on, it sounds awesome. You know, like and all these places have kind of the opportunity to become like your favorite place because you've never been there. You probably didn't know much about it before. So it's, just kind of ties back into that, you know, like adventure aspect of this career overseas. You know, everyone can go live in Orlando. Not everyone can go live, you know, in Monaco and in Istanbul and in Belgrade and, and all these amazing cities in Europe. Mm -hmm. And there's good leagues everywhere. Like I know a guy that played in the Czech Republic last year. I know a guy yeah. talk about South America. I know you touched on that a little earlier. Former Purdue guy, Kelsey Barlow played in Uruguay. Um, Gary Forbes, who played in the NBA, he was on the Nuggets when they had like Melo. He played mm -hmm. in Argentina. So I mean, you yeah. can go, you can go everywhere, make a pretty good living, play yeah. basketball, live out your dream, and then have an awesome life outside of basketball too. Just seeing the world, yeah, sure. getting experiences that you never in a million years did you think you'd get when you were little. For sure, yeah, and I think that's that's such a great aspect of this. You know, it's uh. In college, of course, you have like your your little like your uh, cost of attendance check. Now it's all different with NIL. I'm pre-NIL, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm pre uh, pre big money college. But you know, when I was there, you got like your little check and you paid your rent. The check was gone basically. Um, and now at the end of the month, you know, I I I, I get my check, I pay my rent. And I'm like, well, hey, I I can actually like, live off this. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the times, it's still just kind of like a surprise to me that hey, this is actually my job. You know, I I, I go to work. And I go play basketball. That's my job. Um, you know, it, it's it beats to me. It beats being in an office. So I'm just grateful for the ability to do that. You know, it's literally every month I like see the money come in and I pay rent. I'm like, oh, there's still I forgot we have like so much more money. Like I can live off this and be fine and do good and still have some money left over to save up and and go do fun stuff with or just save it up and 
and you know make plans for the future with like it's it's so weird to just be like yeah my job i'm a professional basketball player still feels weird you know even though i've done a year of it now mm-hmm. well hey man you're living it now you're living <laughs> it now. Weird, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, so now there's a bunch of like nba guys and you hear those stories are like even delante west i don't know if you've if you've seen those things but like they they spend too much of their money and and they fall on hard times and they end up being homeless or have to have to sell everything. Is that a common theme in in like Europe or or overseas leagues as well? Um, I haven't really seen it yet. You know, the, all the American guys, at least I played with this past year, were, were pretty frugal. Um, you know, they were really aware of, of what they were making. The exchange rate, they were always aware of the exchange rate. Uh, you know, I had a guy on my team that's been on his name is Zach. Montez Robertson, he, he plays, um, he's actually playing TBT now for the Auburn alumni team as well. Um, but he's played over there in Germany since I believe 2009, 2009, 2010 season for that exact team for the Frankfurt uh, Skyliners. He's played there his whole career. Uh, and he always talks about, you know, this year, especially, he was always like, yeah, you know, before, you know, my first year I was making a dollar 40 for every euro I made. And now he's only <laughs> making, you know, it's one to one basically. So he's making like even. Um, but you know, a lot of those guys seem really savvy with it. They've invested, they've bought houses. Uh, a lot of them have their, their house back, back in the States, you know, most of the veteran guys, you know, of course, guys like uh, a couple of guys were like 24, 25. They probably don't have that lined up yet, but you know, um, Fuentes is 37. He had a house, you know, he's, he's, he's a wife and three kids and have a house to go back to in Alabama, um, in the summers. Uh, another teammate of mine, his name is Will Cherry. Uh, I believe he had a house over in the base from the Bay area. So he has a house over there, you know? Those guys kind of seem pretty savvy with their money. You know, it's it's a uh, it's not easy being over there. So I feel I feel like most guys like to kind of have their summer. You know, like in their mm-hmm. post playing uh, career, they have to like figure it out. It's also not as it's not as glamorous as the NBA. You know, you, it's it's harder to get get caught up in like the glamour of it. You know, you're not making fifty million dollars um, and expected to like go out with celebrities all the time. You know, it's a pretty normal gig uh, on most days. It's it's not really getting recognized all the time it's, it's a little less glamorous but i think that might be good uh you know guys are just a little safer with what they're spending and what they're uh you know what they're doing with their money mm-hmm. and you're you're more so focused on the game and and training and, and things like that as opposed to what what you're doing after the game and all that stuff but yeah like you mentioned i can pay like damian lillard just got 120 over two Sixteen making sixty million dollars a year. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, you know, and there, you know, there's guys in Europe making like uh like a guy like Shane Larkin's making I think seven or eight million. I think Nick Lemire teaches on that kind of money. Um, but those are kind of the top end, you know, like five to eight million are like your top end guys. Um but even then, you know, like you're also worried about like living in a foreign country, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like very different. It's like a very different environment. You know, even though it's beautiful uh, for a lot of people, they really love their city. You know, Frankfurt is, a, is is pretty normal. You know, it's not nothing insane. But it's just, it's a great. You know, I really love the place that I live in and uh, that kind of stuff. But it's also you got to like focus on like day to day things are a little more difficult. You know, you got to figure stuff out. Like, how does this work? Like. Mm-hmm figuring out like the culture and stuff so if you're only there for a year it might take you a few months to figure that out you know like an adjust so it's um it kind of keeps you a little, i think it keeps you real grounded it keeps you real close to the ground you know you can't really go floating off you mean know, like oh i'm doing this and this and this and i'm going out i'm throwing hundreds and throwing hundreds at the club like no like 
You gotta figure out how to pay your German taxes, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how hard is that? To no, figure it's really out? easy. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's America's the hardest place to do it. <laughs> That's not surprising. We make everything hard. Um, I did want to. I do want to go back to how you're talking about the different levels of leagues. It's like, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it is kind of similar to like a minor league system where you have four leagues and you kind of work your way up each year <clears throat> to get to the top league in your country. What what's that been like? To, I mean, you kind of you, you kind of skipped the line, but what is it like to to see some of those guys that have gone through that journey? Yeah, I, I did kind of skip the line, uh, but there's still a lot of the line left for me. Uh, you know, it's um, there's a whole like tier system, and it's like, yeah, your team is good within your domestic league, but they're not playing any international competitions. Like, it's there's this whole thing, so you can. You have all your countries, right? Like smaller countries usually are a little have like smaller leagues. Mm. Kind of how it goes. You know, Germany has like 80 million residents. So there's going to be a little more money. There's going to be more people interested in basketball in a, in a smaller country. That's like the Netherlands. They have some really good high quality teams, but the depth isn't there. Like it is in Germany. They have, they have 10 teams uh, in the Netherlands, you know, Germany has 18. Uh, and there's still like great talent on all those teams. Where in the Netherlands, the depth isn't there. Um, like it is in Germany. Um, but yeah, it's and then but the thing too is within Germany, you also like down in the third league, you're still gonna find some Americans playing in the third league mm. in Germany. The fourth league, you start getting real, like you know, my uh, my former teammate Rashid, he played in the fourth league, but I think you're gonna start finding it real hard to find any foreigners when you get down there. But just the the ability to like to do that, you know, for a guy like Rashid to come up through that, um, there's so many avenues to make it to where you want to be. Um, but then outside of like the domestic leagues. You have your international competitions. There's four of them. You know the Euro League probably. Uh, then there's the Euro Cup. Mm -hmm. It's gonna start getting real confusing. So if the Euro Cup, if you win the Euro Cup, you get to go to the Euro League. So that's like the big advantage. Because you want to be in the Euro League, you real you want to be in the Euro League real bad. That's the best one. And you have the Euro Cup. But then those are its own organization. Those are managed by the Euro League. I don't know, Euro League Incorporated. Then FIBA was like, we want in, we want a slice of this too. So they started the Champions League mm -hmm. and the FIBA Europe Cup, not the Euro, <laughs> the Europe Cup. And then it gets started, it starts getting real confusing. But kind of, you know, like, so every team, you know, in, in Germany, we have two Euro League teams. We had two Euro Cup teams this past year and then two Champions League teams. And then a couple, three, four teams playing in the Europe Cup. Uh, the Europe Cup is seen as, is, I think, pretty clearly the easiest to get into. Um, so it, it's the most accessible for anyone. Uh, you know, a team like, like Frankfurt played in the Europe Cup until a few years ago. They even won it back in 2016. Um, but that's probably the most accessible. Then you get the Champions League. And the Champions League and the Euro, the Euro Cup are pretty close to each other, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing about the Euro Cup is winning the Euro Cup, you get to go to the Euro League, um, which is... It's, it's, it, it, it outweighs it, you know, but if you're on a team that's not winning, if you're on a team that's uh, that's going to be like solid eighth in the Euro Cup, then yeah, okay. Um, it's fine. Champions League and Euro Cup are probably even at that point in terms of like quality of teams. Teams are from all over the place. You know, you'll get teams from bigger countries, you'll get teams from smaller countries, but they'll be all over the place just the same. You know, the two teams in Euro Cup in um, Germany last year were 
believe the two teams in are two teams in Champions League. I always forget. I always, I always get caught up. But like all of Spain is playing in those competitions, and the teams in Euro Cup and Champions League are not that different. They're just both super high quality teams. The only time where you get real separation is those Euro League teams, just because the budgets they start like skyrocketing because the money Euro League is is where you want to be basically. Um, so. In addition to my whole domestic leagues where you can go play in a good league in, a, in the second league in a big country or the, uh, the first league in like a smaller country, you can work your way through up through all that. You also have to take into account, hey, are they playing once a week? If you're playing once a week, you're not playing Europe Cup, Champions League, Euro Cup, or Euro League, which was what Frankfurt uh, does. They're not in any international competition. You also got to take all that into account when you go sign a new deal. It's ridiculous. It's a whole spreadsheet of stuff you got to figure out every time you want to like, you're going to play someone. It's so confusing, and especially here, like we have the NBA. Just, I mean, they had to have their schedule, and then you, <laughs> you look over there. I, I mean, if you were a college guy like like yourself, and you didn't know anything about overseas basketball, and you go and look, and you have all these things, I'd be so scared. I'd be so scared. I'd be like, yeah, "What is going on over here?" It is. You know, that's why. Um, it is tough. You know, like not even that. But just figuring out a whole new world, basically. Mm. Even for me, I was experiencing some hefty culture shock. You know, moving out there with my wife to Frankfurt, um, some, I experienced a pretty hefty culture shock. You're like, whoa, this is like different. This is real weird. Like Germany is a lot different from the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, and even I'm not really used to that. I'm experiencing the culture shock being home in the Netherlands right now. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's coming home throughout the season was like weird. It's like, well, I haven't been here at all, basically. For like outside of like a month a year where I was just working out and then training to go back to the US. So it is really tough for a lot of those guys, you know. And then you also have to figure out like thankfully you have an agent for that. That's what I pay my agents for. <laughs> <laughs> I pay my agent to like explain it to me, you know, like hey dude, they're good and they're gonna pay you a lot of money. Um but yeah, if you you know if you're looking to play at the highest level of competition, those are all things you gotta take into account. You know, hey, am I playing in a good league? Okay, check. I'm playing in a good league now. I'm playing in a high level league, probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the best in Europe. Um, depends on who you ask. If you ask a Frenchman, they'll probably say the French league better than German league. Same with an Italian. We just all know Spain is probably the best league. Turkey mm -hmm. probably pretty close uh, behind. But then France, France, Italy, Germany. I think they're they're right there to, uh, between each other. Um, so for me right now, it's just about uh, working my way up, you know, and. and May that, that might be with Frankfurt if we put down a great season and Frankfurt saying, hey, we're, we have an opportunity to go play in the Champions League, uh, something like that, then it might be like that. But you never know. You know, you never know how your career is going to go. I know I'm happy where I am. I know I have another year of my contract. And I'll go think about all that confusing stuff once this season's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how, how people like you do it. I'd be so confused. I'd be lost. Over forget, there. It, forget it. You, put it. you push it all away. Until the season's <laughs> over. That's what you do. I'm procrastinate. My head starts hurting whenever I think about it. So I'm just like, okay, first I got to play Eurobasket. Then I got to go to board. Then I just got to go play in Germany. And then after that, in the summer when I'm off, then my agent's going to – see, that's the thing. Here's the thing, too. Not every single team is going to call me. You know, like, it's not like, you know, just if you're an NBA free agent, you don't have to look at houses in every single city because if just, let's say, if just, um, if just Minnesota – and Portland are calling you. Well, yeah, you only have to look at a place that, you know, you only have to figure out what's going on over there. You're not going to go look at houses in Miami when the Minnesota Timberwolves just offered you a contract. Yeah. Well, it's the same way for me. I'm not going to go figure out all this other stuff until they actually call me. You know, like, hey, we'd love you on the team. I'm like, okay, 
Let's do her research. <laughs> In the off season, of course. I got too much to worry about right now to do all that. How much research? I mean, maybe some of your teammates have told you this, or I don't know how much research went into um, signing with the Skyliners, but how much research kind of goes into, so say like four teams contact you, how much are you going to research them and, and kind of see their, their background, where they're from and, and all that stuff? We're sorry. You lost me for a second there. You said my, my teammates or the, or the team and stuff. So <clears throat> your teammates, you might've talked to them about this more. I don't know how much went into signing with the Skyliners, but, how much kind of research goes into picking a team like that's so say like four teams are contacting you, how much goes into you like looking into their background and, and places to live there and, and all those different things before you make a final decision. Um, see, here's the thing. I think you'd be better off asking a guy like Deshaun Thomas this question. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've had one opportunity to do it and I had a clear best offer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wasn't really like like thinking about all this other stuff. I wasn't looking for houses in these other places. You know, I was I was gonna go to Frankfurt. Um, that was my clear best offer, and so I was like, I was just doing research into Frankfurt, basically. You know, I, there wasn't like all this other stuff I had to worry about. So it was real easy. Uh, it might be really difficult next summer um, to figure out where I want to go. You know, once there's like multiple teams that want you at like a similar rate, playing similar levels of competition in similar leagues. Uh, and then you start asking questions like team fit, you know, once you, and once everything evens out, you're like, Hey, what country do I want to live in more? Um, but I've had it really easy this first year. So honestly, uh, I don't know. You should get a more experienced European player to, <laughs> to, to come on to talk about that. Cause I've had it really easy. Fair enough. Um, all right. I, I, I promise you this. We're going to shift gears here. Talk a little UFC. We, we talked last time. I didn't know you were a UFC fan. You brought it up at the near the very end. Um, yeah. So UFC 277 this Saturday, um, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes two is the main event, and then you got Brandon Moreno against Kai Car France. Um, I mean, how, how excited are you for this, and and what are you looking forward to? You know, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real quick just so I have it on here. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. It's gonna be a fun card. Um, let me just see these beautiful times. Of course, the main card starts at 4 a.m. Central European Standard Time. <laughs> um, just want to just enlighten, you know, I just want to just really talk about this and, and talk about those without a voice, the European fans. Mm. Um, we are constantly disrespected by Dana White. Please, Mr. Dana White. Please, Mr. Dana White, more European cards uh, or Abu Dhabi. Even Abu Dhabi would be pretty good. Mm. But please, Mr. Dana White, more European cards. But I'm super excited for it. You know, I, I got I to gotta switch gears in my head here because I'm still thinking about European leagues. <laughs> uh, that's all, like, stuck in my head right now. But I'm I'm super excited for it, man. I Maybe I'll watch. Maybe I will. Let's see. Wait. I am on a Sunday. I practice. Oh, I'm off tomorrow. So if it was, like, this morning, it'd be perfect. Mm. But the fact that it's on a Saturday night, which means it's on a Sunday morning, makes it real difficult because I just practice. I, I go into practicing on Sunday. So maybe if I go to bed real early, we'll think about it. But uh, I'm super excited for it. You know, I think I think the first fight um, for Peña Nunez was kind of disappointing for a lot of people. Well, it was super shocking, but, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of seeing the performance from Amanda Nunez was pretty uh, pretty weird. And then I haven't watched The Ultimate Fighter, but I've heard some stuff where everyone is like, you know how the Instagram people are, they're like, 
Daniel Zanunez's head. She's like, she's going crazy. She's like trying to fight all the time. I'm like, I haven't watched a single episode of Ultimate Fire ever. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like all these people why I remember last year with the um Volk Ortega and everyone just hated Ortega. Everyone's like, <laughs> he's so lazy. He's never there. I mean that that ended up working out, turning out to the 50-45 for Volk. So maybe it, mm-hmm. it does carry a weight. The Ultimate Fighter stuff carries some weight, but I think it's going to be a fun card to see. I don't know what else is on that card, honestly, because I just get so it's just so frustrating. This just European stuff, you know. <laughs> but I think it should be a fun. Oh yeah, we got Derek Lewis on the card. It'll be fun. Pantoja mm-hmm. should, should be super fun. Probably the guy in waiting in that uh, that flyweight, the, or yeah, that yeah that flyweight uh, division with that interim title bout. Pantoja was probably there, like yeah, we'll put you in the card. If one of these guys get hurt, you'll probably in, you'll be in there. Um, you should so be, be fighting. He should be fighting for the title, in my opinion. Flyweight's weird, man. They love having those two. Uh, they, there's only two guys that people know. Carl Franz barely got known off like his last mm-hmm. fight. People now know who he is. Um, and I mean, even to me, like I struggle. Like I feel like I watch a lot of UFC. Uh, I feel like I've risen like one step beyond casual fan who talks trash on Instagram. Uh, like just one level above that, probably. But you know, flyweight's like you're like sitting there, and it was it was. Was it Askar Askarov, mm-hmm. Antonia, Kara France, Moreno, and uh, Figueredo? And then you're then, then it's starting to get real blurry, you know, outside. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, okay, we're just gonna have the two guys because nobody cares about fly, right? Apparently, I or, love I, it, it's one of my favorite see, divisions I, to watch. Okay, see, that's the thing. I think some people like it, the more like you're into the sport, I think you like it, mm-hmm. but. You know, there's nothing more that Dana White loves than having two big heavyweights just slugging it out mm-hmm. for 25 minutes, just staring at each other across the octagon. So for some reason, they don't like flyweight. You know, I mean, look at Mighty Mouse was disrespected for like a long time. Oh, no. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Can you hear me now? Yeah, all right, we're back. We're back. You're talking about Mighty Mouse being Yeah, yeah, just saying that. They just, yeah, they just disrespect them. Like those little guys, the smaller they get, the less they care. Even though Bantamweight's the best division in the UFC right now and was the first time we talked as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're about to have Algermain against TJ Dillashaw and then Sean O'Malley against Peter Yan, which is going to be crazy. That's a clam show of a fight. Absolutely. <laughs> See, this is what I hate about the UFC. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's the most fun fight. I don't know. But it feels like there's a lot more guys that deserve it more. The dude, no, no contest against uh, Munoz. Was it Fred Munoz? Mm-hmm. No contest because you poke him in his eye. Controversial eye poke, by the way. But no contest because you poke him in the eye. And then you're going to go fight a guy who some people think should still be the champ. Crazy. I, I mean, don't know. Uh, I mean, hats off to him. If you're gonna take that, Peter Yan's scary. He's a scary opponent. So if you're gonna, gonna take an absolute beating, I'm calling this right now. I mean, here's the thing. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about this as the fight approaches. But he's gonna take an absolute beating from Peter Yan. I think you will too. Because he's not better than any of the guys that's Yan that Yan's fought. He's not even. Cl- I don't think he's close. And Peter Yan beats guys Late, up. Like lately, up. lately, I would agree with you, but Peter Yan's like rise to the top. He beat like 
Uriah Faber, who was on his way out anyway. Yeah. Jimmy Rivera, who was on a three or four fight skid. Um, I forget right. who fought who he fought before that, but um, but yeah, recently, I mean he beat beat up Alterman in the first fight, beat uh Sandhagen. Well, yeah, he did. I mean, that's the thing. He in the first fight he lost the belt, of course, but he was beating him up mm-hmm. until that. And then um I guess there was some controversy in the second fight, you know, like some people probably mostly Russians believe that he should still yeah. have the belt, but um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty clear Algermain. Yeah. Um, but then um, I'm, for some reason, um, oh, Sanhagen, yeah, of course, he fought Sanhagen as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sanhagen's no joke either in that division, so it's, it's man, that's a good division. So great. So now you're going to let the guy that was just absolute can crusher that was saying he wanted to keep crushing cans until he got a new contract. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to go let him fight the second best guy in that division, the clear number one contender, which you can't, you know, you can't put him out there again, I guess right now you can't put Aljo and Jan out there again, but so, but he is still to me the number one contender, you know, that doesn't mean he deserves the current title fight because it's probably saying it, I guess it's Dillashaw um, or Aldo, but you know, like he's, he's, he's up there. He's the best guy in that division beyond Aljo. And now you're going to just let him, no, I guess he's got to crush a can now to give yeah. a title. But, but that'll be a fun one to see. I, I do think that Aljo fight will be good as well. Dillashaw, we'll see how he holds up. Yeah, and then I mean, we didn't even mention Dominic Cruz, who's I think he's on two or three fight win streak right now. Um, right, he, yeah. Adrian Yanez. My boy Adrian Yanez coming into the ring. Your guy, Yanez. Song and Dong. Is he still, trying to, is he still calling out? He's still calling out O'Malley. I think he let that go. Usually, the smart of him, O'Malley was just. He got. O'Malley wasn't going to fight him. Too he got a fight booked. He's getting a fight booked soon. He's waiting on a confirmation, but he yeah. verbally agreed to a fight. I don't know who it'll be. I haven't talked to him. That'll be exciting. But that's um, that division is just insane. Like, there's probably because I don't, you know, once it goes beyond the rankings. I'm not your guy anymore. Yeah. Once you start talking <laughs> 15 deep outside, like, you know, there's some guys that can just talk like 50 guys deep at lightweight. I'm like, sorry, I'm not your guy there. Like I talk about the big fights. I'll talk like, you know, some, I'll watch like the preline, the prelim headliner sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm, I love the UFC, but I love the guys that, you know, are, are really telling the stories. Uh, and to me, like the guys on the prelims, usually they aren't, aren't telling the stories like that. Sometimes they are, sometimes there's some great action on the prelims. But I think that's more for the for the fight fanatics. Mm-hmm. I really love like the storytelling aspect of you know kind of guys coming in with certain stories, kind of that aspect of it, I really enjoy. Just the promotional aspect of it, I really enjoy. So I can't go fifty deep by lightweight with you to talk about uh, some Russian sambo guy who just came <laughs> over after winning the world sambo championship. You know, I or I can't be like, well, this guy just won the brown belt no gi BJJ championship. <laughs> Like I can't talk about that with you, yeah. <laughs> but I can talk about all these main events and, and the big fights and all that. Oh, I just love that kind of stuff. I feel like last time we talked, it was the Usman show because we just talked about Kamaru. Yeah, I think you're right. And how none of them were fighting each other. Yeah, he's been like fairly active. Kamaru's the only one that wants to fight people in that division. Yeah, I know. everyone will sign the contract with Kamaru Usman. Duh. Well, he's getting all the contract. He's getting the Leon fight. Yeah. And that would be a good he, fight. He had to take a little time off. Of course, he had the hand injury, I think, after the 
the Colby fight. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. After after Edwards, it starts looking. Who's up? Who's who they got up after Edwards? It's gonna be I. Well, personally, I think it's gonna be Chimaev after he sends Nate Diaz away from the UFC. Oh yeah, are they actually gonna do that? Chimaev uh-huh. loves like Chimaev and Burns are. I like that. Like Burns, I know Burns is actually game ready at all times. He's ready mm-hmm. to fight. Only guy that's ready to fight at all times. But Burns literally will enter himself in any conversation. I'm starting to I'm starting to expect when I ever see like a light like a, a flyweight con for a fight. I, <laughs> I expect Burns being in there with a the little raised hand emoji. <laughs> he loves doing that. He's always like, oh, send the contract, send the contract. Like dude is just itching for a fight at all times. Um, but I feel like him and Chamayev are the same way. Chamayev, he they never get the fight that they actually talk about. <laughs> So I we'll felt, see what Shemaya. Well, I don't know if I felt bad, but Neil Magley was calling for Shemaya for a long time, but I think yeah, Shemaya would have ran through him personally. And I think yeah, Shemaya's going to run. It's pretty cool. I, I think Shemaya's going to run through Nate. I really do. I think Nate. I mean, Leon ran through Nate. Well, I do think Leon's probably better technically on the feet. It doesn't matter. Shemaya is absolute sledgehammer of a human being. That's true. But you know, that's like the this is like the you see, you see like the stuff in the NBA, the NBA memes that are like, ooh, advanced analytics, blah 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 blah. Versus he's got that dog in him. Yeah, <laughs> he just got that dog in him, man. He, I saw him pick up a man carrying him to Dana White just so he could talk to Dana White while he's beating him up. It's crazy. I think that goes beyond like technical striking and, and ability on the ground. At some yeah. point, you just picked up a grown man and threw him <laughs> to, the, to the cage and started beating him up. <laughs> and that guy was no joke either. It's a Chinese mm-hmm. guy. He, uh, he was no joke either. So, yeah, top, 10 rank, like, top 15 ranked fighter. So, oh, that's a fun division. The one, I think, um, since we talked last time, I think uh, the most interesting storyline is the is Izzy becoming people not liking Izzy anymore. It's because he, but not not because of the cringy antics, but just because he's boring now. I mean, it was like, especially after some of the other fights on that card, you like were really expecting something spectacular, but like, yeah, he's playing it safe. Like, I can't, I can't blame him for that. Yeah, I love that. I I just think that I mean, especially now with with um, people seeing similar dominance from these other champs there's some pretty dominant champs in the ufc right now like volk mm. um and volk is just blood sport volk could volk was actually about to kill ortega he was about to kill max he, he was actually about to murder those guys if they gave him another round like at some point they were you know max is always going to keep walking forward because he's like a zombie mm. korean zombie same thing Speaking of zombie, he's <laughs> running through these guys, and he's, like, showing them how good he is. He can't get hit. He hits them hard. He puts damage on. And just to see Adesanya kind of point-kicking you from, like, 19 feet away, just kind of, like, kicking you with his million-feet leg rate each. Kick, punch, kick, punch, punch, faint, 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 one punch. Like, it is pretty boring. Like, I don't know. I used to be a huge Izzy fan, and I'm like, hey, this is pretty boring. Like, did I ever realize this? I think you're in for another boring. Either Izzy's gonna get a boring W, or Alex Pajera is gonna knock him out. Because Alex Pajera is no joke. I mean, Alex Pajera knocking him out—that sounds like pretty fun to me. That would be exciting. 
I'd, I I would absolutely for it. Yeah, go. Let's do it, man. Let's let's see. Let's see what this. Let's see this happen. I mean, he's got a bucket first. You just fought. Oh, just fought. You know, wait like more, a few more months. My biggest problem with UFC can't these guys just recover in like a day. Uh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> yeah, the future is bright, man. I I freaking love UFC. I think I like the the one thing though. I after last time I was like I feel like I was gonna try. You know, after our talk, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I realized in my head, I was like, I watch all this UFC and I don't really watch all these other things. And then I moved to Europe and it became impossible to even watch UFC, basically. Mm-hmm. So I really kept up with my promise to myself that I was going to try to watch Bellator. But what I hear from over there is that every time they have a good card, they um, they uh, somehow muck it up. Like Every time they have a good card, there's like five intentional unintentional eye pokes ending fights in a row or something like that. It happens every time. I can't watch stuff like Yoke Romero forgetting that the fights was only three rounds. <laughs> like, wow. Awesome, guys. But oh, I did watch one FC, my guy that I needed it either. Dutch, Dutch Pride. That guy's a problem. That's all I'll say. I That's haven't I, I haven't gotten into one FC, but I mean He's the double champ. The the talent coming out of there, like I mean, I think Rod Tang fought in there, Mighty Mouse, obviously. Um, the Lee, yeah, they have the that, that crazy mixed rules fight. I also watched that. I watched the mixed rules Mai Tai MMA fight between Rod Tang and, and Mighty Mouse. Mm. That was awesome. He was like, Mighty Mouse ran away until they got the MMA rules and they put him on the ground and submitted him. Yeah, it's so, yeah, what do you think? So pretty <laughs> cool, but yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, but if you're gonna watch one guy. From one from one FC, it's a Rainier the Ritter, the Dutch knight. That guy is a beast. He's a double champ. He doesn't care. He'll take every bell in there. <laughs> He's probably because hmm, middleweight at one they do the dehydration testing, so mm-hmm. he can't really cut. Um, can't really cut the weight like that. So he he's two hundred five middleweight, I believe in um, in one, but he's a, he's a middleweight. So he's going to challenge whoever wins that next fight. He's going to come over. He's going to beat everybody up. And then we're going to have a Dutch champ. That would be insane. I got no more Overeem. I got no more Overeem to be hyped about. <laughs> so this, is new, this is my new hype train. Come on. Yeah, seeing Overeem go down sad. If he's fighting, <laughs> I think he's going for Ufa now in, in glory. He was supposed to fight uh, Rico Verhoeven. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, they're going to fight kickboxing, I think. I think they were supposed to, and then Overeem pulled out. So Van Hooven fought somebody else, and then I think they're going to rebook it. You yeah. couldn't find any horse meat on short notice. I know, for real. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's about to be juiced up to the gills. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I'll watch. I'll watch those two guys go at it. Well, hey, man, I, I got to wrap this thing up, but um, I really appreciate you coming on taking the time to do this. All the best to you, you and your wife, and, and your family back home in the Netherlands. Um, I can't wait to do this again sometime soon. Of course, man. I always I always really appreciate um, the podcast, but this has definitely been one of the most fun ones I've done. I'm glad to be a repeat guest now. Mm-hmm. I think it's my first repeat guesthood. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome. I'm super excited about that. And thanks for having me on, man. I always love love the podcast, love the Instagram, love everything on there, you know. Um, so you're doing a great job, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, brother. Best of luck going forward. All right. Thank you.